Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, as I mentioned, church, we have a guest speaker with us this morning, a missionary to Indonesia, and I have known Jamie for a number of years. I'm going to give you a little throwback picture. This is me and Jamie on the stage at camp. I've got a red hat and I guess a rubber ducky around my waist. I don't know what that is. But when I met Jamie, he was a youth pastor in Illinois. I was a youth pastor there as well. And we got to serve at camps together, hyping up kids, hundreds of kids at camps, yelling who's going to win. And as I got to know him, I just loved his heart, his heart for God, his love for people. And just even last night as we hung out together and just hearing stories of what God is doing, it's so amazing. And I'm so thankful that I get to call him my friend. One of our declarations, church, is we change the world. And you're going to hear one of the amazing ways that God is helping us to partner and do that this morning. I sat on the front row early service and I was just crying to hear what God is doing through him. So would you put your hands together and give a giant welcome to Jamie. Awesome. Good morning. Man, it's great to see you guys here. I love second service people because you've had a little more sleep, a little more coffee. You're going to be a little more with that first service. Man, I had to carry them. This service, you guys are going to help me, right? All right. So I'm excited to be here. My name is Jamie. I am your missionary to the country of Indonesia. And I just want to say thanks, Pastor Aaron, for the invitation, the opportunity to be here today. Man, you've got an incredible, an incredible pastor. I've known him for a lot of years. We did a lot of camps together uh, yelling at teenagers, who's going to win? You know, to think that in 2008 was the last time we shared a stage together and uh, at youth camp. And man, we, uh, we've come a long way since those days. And so, man, it's just great to be a part of a church like this that believes in missions. I mean, it's, some, it's just so cool to think like that new community church believes in, in missions and that we want to reach our, our neighborhood as well as the nations, right? And that's the kind of church that this is. That's the kind of church that you're a part of that, that you can say, uh, yesterday, man, we believe in being a blessing and, and, and being out in the community and we want to reach our neighbors who don't know Jesus. But at the same time, we believe, we realize that the kingdom of God is international, right? It's bigger than Mesquite. It's bigger than, than the Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, Worth area. But man, God has a plan for the nations as well. And new community is a part of that, that it gets to, you guys get to impact not just your neighborhoods, but the nations. So thank you guys so much for believing in missions and, and being a part of it. Well, my wife and I were back in the States for a few months to kind of connect with people. We've been missionaries in Indonesia for, for nine years. We're originally from, from the Chicagoland area, and it's been very strange because my oldest daughter, she's eight years old, um, so she's lived her entire life in Indonesia. My son, five, he's lived his entire life in Indonesia, so being stateside uh, for the last couple months has been very strange for them, all right? Even even though they're Americans, they're, uh, they're, they've been raised in Indonesian, so we're seeing these different um, different things happening in their life, because I can remember a, a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, we uh, we stopped at the McDonald's, and I was running a little late, so I, I say to my five-year-old son, I'm like, Benaya, do you want a happy meal? What kind of happy meal do you want? You want a 
you want a cheeseburger or a hamburger? And he's like, Daddy, really, uh, can I get some, some chicken and some rice? And I'm like, rice? I'm like, no, you're going to have French fries and like it. You know, you're an American, you know. So I'm like cramming French fries down his throat. I'm like, oh, I failed as a dad, you know. Like, he doesn't like French fries. So, yeah, so it's just very interesting trying to raise kids kind of cross-culturally and bringing them back to the States and seeing the adjustments that they're making. And But, man, we are so grateful to be connected with such a great community and church like this here uh, in Mesquite. And so I'll turn to the person next to you and say, Indonesia. All right, now most people don't even know where this country is, all right? So I better give us a quick geography lesson of where it is. If we've got, if we've got India right here and Australia right here, okay, India, Australia, the 17,000 islands, how many thousand? 17,000 islands in between India and Australia. That's the country of Indonesia. Now turn to the person next to you and say, Indonesia. Indonesia. Because when you walked in, you were like, Indo what? Indo, Indo what? So Indonesia, that's the country that we're missionaries from. So we got all these islands. But here's the interesting thing about Indonesia. It's the fourth largest country in the world. I mean, most of us know about the three biggest countries in the world. We know China's number one in population. Uh, then we have India, number two. Number three is what? America. That's right. Uh, so we got uh, America's number three in population, but the fourth largest country in the world with 250 million people living there is this island nation of Indonesia. Okay. So we've got all these islands and all these people, and most of us, we don't even know where this country is. All right. So we've got this. But the thing that's really, that's really captured our heart about Indonesia is that it's the largest Muslim nation in the world with over 220 million Muslims living in Indonesia alone. I mean, that's more than Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Syria, all those Middle Eastern countries combined. So we've got our work cut out for us as your Christian missionaries to the largest Muslim country in the world. But we really believe, and we're giving our life to this, that we really believe that Indonesia will be the first Muslim-majority country to come to Christ. That, 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 as, as, that as we serve and as we uh, live over there, that we believe that we're just maybe one generation away from seeing this Muslim nation turn to Christ. And one of the ways it's going to happen is by reaching the next generation. And so that's what we do in Indonesia, that we engage Muslim young people that were on the college campuses and in the young professionals' lives and working with them. And so, so, it's, uh, doing, so let me give you some context of how we do that because being in a Muslim country, it's not like we can just go there and plant a church, all right? That's not, that's not very easily done, all right? So, so how do you engage a culture? And so what we decided to do a few years ago is we decided to open up an English center, all right? Because I already speak English fluently, all right? You know, I speak English really good. Anybody get it? No? It's me like, yeah, he does speak English good. All right. So, yeah. So, um, so, you know, so, uh, so what we've done is we started tutoring students and over the years we've opened up this English center and now uh, by by tutoring and um, uh, teaching English, we use the scriptures as our text and discuss the stories of Jesus. And over the years, what's happened is now we have over 250, um, 250 Muslim young people coming through the English center every week, hearing about Jesus, studying the scriptures, going through our alpha courses. And man, we're starting at the beginning. Now we're starting to see this Muslim nation begin to change. And so I, I guess what I'd want to say this morning is uh, in answering the question, you know, like, like what do missionaries do? 
you know. Like, like, like we've heard about missionaries and we've seen them before, but, but, but what exactly do they, do they do? And so uh, the Bible verse comes to mind in um, 1 Corinthians 3.6. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says this. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. All right, so we've got that I planted the seed, some plant, some water, but God makes it grow. Everyone say, some plant. Oh, I lost some of you. I got to get you back. All right, let's try that again. All right, let's try that again. Some plant, some water, but God makes it grow. All right, and that's what we're seeing in Indonesia is that oftentimes we are the, the, the first Christians that, that anyone's ever met, that oftentimes we're planting the seeds of faith where they've never been planted before uh, because in Indonesia, everyone we know is Muslim, right? Now, what I mean by that is this. Everyone we know is Muslim. All right, our neighbors to the left, to the right, across the street. Nobody knows Jesus. Nobody's ever met a Christian or seen a church. I mean, it's it's everyone we know is Muslim. So uh, one of my one of my favorite things to do is around Christmas time. I love to ask my Muslim friends. You know, like I love to ask them, "Hey, what do you what do you know about the Christmas story?" And so one time I'm sitting with my friend Ganis, and and I'm, I'm his own, I was his first Christian friend he ever had. And I said, "Ganis, you know, to, tell me what do you know." about Christmas and he goes well Jamie I know that um that you that that you put your socks above the fire and I'm like okay all right you know and then he says he says and then um um Jesus's cousin Santa Claus comes and he he like bring and I'm like no you know so it's just really funny to see like like how unreached or how lost so many of our, our Indonesian uh, Muslim friends are that they've never heard of Christmas or or of Jesus and so uh, and so I remember asking uh, the Lord like how do we start a ministry there. You know, as missionaries and pastors, like, like we can't go and just start a church. So, so how do we start something from nothing? You know, I've always been a part of church work, you know, where, where there's something going on and maybe we start something, but there was always people to work with. But, but how do we start a ministry? How do we start a mission, something from nothing, from zero? And so my wife and I were talking and we said, well, let's, let's start with, with prayer, <laughs> like that's a good place to start. You know, like sometimes it's usually it's our last resort. Let's make it our first resort instead. And so, so let's start with prayer. So we decided instead of just praying uh, in, in our house, what if we went to the largest uh, Muslim university in our or the largest university in our city? It's one of the it's Gajamata University, one of the Ivy League schools of Indonesia. And we began to pray, prayer walk that campus, and and we asked God, God, would you give us one Christian to work with? You know, give us some seed to work with. Introduce us to somebody that would show us around and help us to know what to do in, in kind of the, in the, the climate environment of the campus and of the city. Someone with a heart to reach the city. So we get on that campus and we prayer walk that campus every day for a week. We don't meet anybody. No Christians. Second week, we're on that same campus. We're prayer walking. God, give us somebody to work with. And of course, we meet. We're meeting um, a ton of, of Muslim students. They all want us to tutor them in English, but, but no Christians. Finally, after three weeks, we meet some Christians, but none of them have any sort of desire to change their city or reach their campus. Four weeks go by. It's now been a month, five weeks. Finally, after six weeks, we meet Jose. Jose was a pharmaceutical major, and he says, oh, Pastor Jamie, I've been praying that God would send somebody to this campus to help me reach it for Jesus. And I was like, Jose, 
where you been, right? You know, like, you know, I've been looking for you for six weeks. Finally, I meet you, all right? And so Jose and I, we meet and we, we, we have coffee together and he shares my, his heart with me and I share my vision for him. He says, oh, Pastor Jamie, I've got these three friends that have the same heart, the same vision. Would you mentor us? Would you train us how to, how to, to, to be missionaries to our city? And I was like, yes, of course, uh, I'll do that. Like, that's what I do, like, Literally, that's what I'm paid to do. Like that's what I. So, so I meet with these core four, and for week after week, we're praying and we're 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 studying how to how to, how we can reach our city, be better followers of Jesus, and being salt and light. And finally, after a few weeks, we're like, you know what? It's time we 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 do an outreach of some sort. So we decide, you know what? Let's have a Bible study across the street from the campus at the Dunkin' Donuts, all right? But we'll invite our Muslim friends to come and study the Jesus of the scriptures at the Dunkin' Donuts, all right? And so, uh, so we're, we're praying and fasting all week, and finally that Friday comes, we're inviting our friends, uh, uh, but, but we can't do it, it's not like America where we can hand out flyers, it's all kind of word of mouth, we can't make any announcements, and so we're, we're inviting people, come study the Jesus of the scriptures at the Dunkin' Donuts this Friday night, and so, so we're praying that we would have eight students show up, eight Muslims, that was our prayer. Our miracle goal was 10, all right? We were thinking double digits, that'd be awesome, all right, but eight is good but 10 would be awesome all right so so we've kind of got our goals in front of us and so so we're praying that first night 26 students show up all right we're like what you know so we had to split up into three different groups and, and so we've got all, all these seats taken up and at the end of the night i get up and i say guys we're so glad you're here we're going to study the scriptures again next friday night here at the dunkin donuts come back and you can bring your friends and guess what happened they all came back all right with their friends because all of a sudden we got 32 students there the second weekend and as i look around they're all studying the scriptures but i also realized like none of them were eating any donuts or drinking any coffee. I think it's I think it's universal principle. College students are broke everywhere in the world. All right. It's like an international principle. All right. So you know, so I had to talk to the manager of the Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, don't worry, we'll buy a coffee and a donut for everybody. We'll take care of it. And so so now and, and again at week after week they just keep coming back all somewhere at like 36, 38. We're up over 40 and for a few months we got 40 some Muslims coming to the Dunkin' Donuts week after week. And we got it was so crowded we had all the seats taken up that I finally I had to make an announcement. I had to do something no missionary or pastor should ever say or do, but I just didn't know what to do. Um, I was new at this, and so I, I get up and I say, "Guys, we're so glad you're here, but um, but as you can see, it's already it's already full here in the Dunkin' Donuts, so so don't invite your friends. You know, like what pastor says it like, I'm sorry, the church is closed, it's full, all right. You know, no more people. You know, there's no more room at the cross. You know, so but I didn't know what to say, but they didn't listen because week after week they just kept coming back and bringing their friends. So finally, we had to move out of the, the Dunkin' Donuts and we moved into the basement of a Kentucky Fried Chicken. All right, so you know, so we're kind of working our way up. We were thinking maybe Pizza Hut was our next big move. You know, we didn't know where we were going to go after that. But man, we, for three years, we've been in the basement of that Kentucky Fried Chicken until finally we are able to move into our first English center in which now we had hundreds of young people coming every week. Our Friday night Bible study is just now jam-packed over a hundred Muslim young people every week. So much so that uh, one year ago we moved into a brand new building. We're, we're now able to teach English classes, not just, uh, not just have our Bible studies, but now we're really really starting to impact the community. And, 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 and if you ever wonder what do missionaries do, that's what we do. All right? Sometimes we plant the seeds of faith. Sometimes we water them. But it's always, always God who brings the increase. And so I was thinking like um, 
when I ask, you know, Jamie, what, what, what has changed in you the most over the years? When I'm asked that question, you know, what, what's different since you and your wife moved to Indonesia? How have you changed? My wife and I would both give the same answer if you asked us. We'd both say UPGs. Everybody say UPG. All right, now UPG, it's not like a grenade launcher, like, look out, UPG. All right, UPG stands for this, stands for this. Unreached people groups. Unreached people groups, all right? And this has changed us like nothing else that there are whole huge parts of Indonesia that are still untouched and unreached with the gospel. That in two, th- It's hard for me to even comprehend that in 2,000 years, there are there's huge areas of Indonesia that are still unreached, that no successful missionary or church plan has been established amongst these people groups, that we have 220 ethnic groups in Indonesia alone that will go their whole life without meeting a Christian, seeing a church, or hearing about Jesus. Well, let me make a, a quick distinction between, between the lost and the unreached, okay? The lost and the unreached. Now, the lost are all around us, right? Man, we all have friends and family members who don't know Jesus, right? I mean, man, God, God loves them, and Jesus died for them. He, he wants to use you and I to reach the, the, our, our co-workers who don't know Jesus. So Jesus cares about the lost, But on my way to church this morning, I passed like seven churches, all right? You know, so so I realize that there are opportunities here in the States to hear about Jesus. So when I talk about the unreached, what I mean is that there are no opportunities to hear about Jesus. That there are no Christians, there are no churches, there is no way to hear about Jesus. New Community Church are... Are we okay with that? (laughs) That we can drive by churches on our way to our church knowing that there are countless millions of Muslims that will go their whole life without meeting a Christian, seeing a church, or hearing about Jesus. Are we okay with that? Now, there's a reason why they're unreached. They're hard to reach, right? You know, like if they were easy to reach, someone would have reached them already, you know? And so, so oftentimes my parents will, will uh, or oftentimes people will ask me, you know, Jamie, why, why Indonesia? And my simple response is because all the easy places were taken, you know? My, my parents are, will joke around with me like, and they'll say, man, Jamie, don't, don't they need Jesus in like the Bahamas or, or Jamaica? You know, we'd come visit you all the time then, right? That would be great. You know, I'd love to be there, right? That'd be wonderful. But but they're, they're, they're unreached for a reason. They're, they're hard to reach. There's really two reasons why they're hard to reach. Number one is that sometimes they're just physically hard to get to. Geographically, they're difficult to get to. So for an example, like last year, we led a, t- a trip to, uh, to the Maluku Islands, all right, which is in the eastern part of Indonesia. So we were on our island of Java, and we had to take an eight-hour airplane ride to the island of Ambon. When we arrived in Ambon, we had to take an overnight ferry to, to the island of Seiram. Now, from Seiram, we got picked up in, by a minivan, and we were taken six hours into the interior of the island of Seiram. After that, we were dropped off, and we were picked up by a dump truck, a big pickup truck, and had to ride in the back of that two hours up the side of a mountain to get to a village where there had never been a Christian or church established. All right? So we were the first Christians to ever step foot in that village. So sometimes people are unreached because they're just hard to get to. But more often than not, they're unreached because they're, they're resistant to the gospel. Meaning that culture, that, that people group, have never had a successful church plan or missionary or pastors be established 
amongst that ethnic group, that, that, that linguistic group there. And so one of these people group is the boogies. Everybody say boogies, like the, like the boogeyman, all right, the boogies. Now, this is an ethnic group of six million people with 0% Christian. So we're not talking about, oh, this nice little village over here, we need to reach them for Jesus. We're talking all of South, Sul South Sulawesi, unreached with the gospel. No churches, no Christian, no way to hear about Jesus. And are we okay with that? That the boogies have been 2,000 years, I don't understand it, how there has not been a, the, the, the witness of Jesus amongst the boogies people. And so my wife and I have taken trips to South Sulawesi and asked the Lord, God, would you establish something? How can we establish something here amongst the boogies? And, and one day in our English center, at our, in, in our city, a young man by the name of Philo comes into our English center. And, and I, I introduce myself and I say, Philo, where, where are you from? And he says, I'm from, I'm from South Sulawesi. I'm like, really? Uh, well, what's your ethnic group? And he says, well, I'm boogies. And I'm like, what? I've been praying for you. No, I didn't say that. You know, he'd be like, you're weird. All right. So no, I didn't want to say that. But on the inside, I was like, yes. You know, so he comes in and I invite him and he jumps into one of our Bible studies right away. And it was great leading a Bible study with a, with a Muslim or, you know, if you've ever led a Bible study with a non-Christian, you kind of know what it's like that he always had these great questions. He was never confrontational, just always, always curious about Jesus. And at the end of the Bible study, I said, Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus with your life? Fila would laugh and say, Jamie, you know I'm a Muslim. I can't do that. I'm like, okay, no problem. Well, we'll see you next week, Philo. Oh, absolutely. Philo comes back to Bible study. And at the end of Bible study, I ask him, Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus with your life? And again, he chuckles and laughs. He says, Jamie, you know I'm Muslim. I can't do that. Okay, no problem. I'll see you next week. Okay. And he comes back next week. Same thing. I ask him the same question. Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus with your life? He laughs. Jamie, you know I'm Muslim. I can't do this. He comes back to Bible study week after week after week. This process goes on for over two years. <laughs> After two years, kind of like out of almost like rote memory, I just say, Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus with your life? And he says to me one week, he says, Jamie, not yet. What? <laughs> Something changed, right? You know, I'm like, so I text all our Christians. I'm like, pray for Philo. His answer changed, right? And so, man, we're praying for Philo. His answer changed. Later that week, I was awoken at 4 a.m. with a text message. Text message said, Jamie, I feel like I'm such a sinner. I feel so far from God, and I know you know how to connect with God. Would you help me to know God like you know God? And so I look at my phone, and, and, and I put it down because it's 4 in the morning, and I go back to sleep. No way, right? You know, no, I get up. I'm like texting. I'm like, hey, when can we meet? When can we get together, right? And so later that day, we're able to get together, and we sit down, and I, got, I get, give him a scripture, and I have mine, and I walk him through kind of what, what's called the Romans Road. It's kind of like an old-school way of leading someone to salvation or leading them to faith Jesus. And, and I get to this Bible verse in Romans 10, 13 that says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Or in, in the Indonesian version, it says, Brangsiapa, whomever, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I say to Philo, Philo, that word Brangsiapa, that word anyone, does that mean only Americans can call upon the name of the Lord? Or can an Indonesian call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? Of course, he nods and says, and he says, well, of course an Indonesian can call upon the name of the Lord, can be saved. I'm like, okay, great, great. 
That word anyone, does that mean only Christians can be saved? Or can a Muslim call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? Man, when I said that, something clicked. Man, his tears just started filling up. His eyes started filling up with tears. He puts his head down and says, yeah, a Muslim can be saved. I say, Philo, are you ready to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? He looks up at me with tears in his eyes and says, yeah, Jamie, I'm ready to call upon the name of the Lord. I'm ready to be saved. Man, and in that moment, amen, right? And in that moment, man, we prayed together, we cried, we hugged, we laughed, and I couldn't. And, and I thought, wow, that there is a, a, a son of Ishmael has found salvation, that a child of Islam has come to faith in Jesus. And I couldn't help but think, what if Philo is the first of millions of boogies? What if he's the key that's going to unlock South Sulawesi, that when he returns home, that he's going to bring the gospel back to his people? What if he's the one who's going to bring change to the boogies, the six million where there are no Christians what if he's the first of millions to come to faith why all because a church in Texas believes in mission says you know what we want to reach our community but there's a nation out there with no believers and so we're going to believe in missions and sending missionaries to the other side of the world so if you ever wonder what do missionaries do that's what we do sometimes we amen right I'll give you a minute Sometimes we plant the seeds, sometimes we water, and it takes two years, but it's God who always, always, always brings the increase, who brings the growth. And so uh, a couple weeks after that moment with Philo, he's like, hey, uh, Pastor Jamie, I've been reading the scriptures, and it seems like after someone believes in Jesus, we're, they're, they're baptized in water. You know, can I get baptized in water? I'm like, I should have thought of that. You know, I'm a pastor, all right? So, so you know, so, so like, yeah, you can, all right? And so, so we call our Christians together, and we decide we're going to have a, a water baptism service. But we, since we don't really have a church, we just have a water tank. We cut the top off a water tank. And, 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 and we met in the backyard, and I can remember as Philo got into the waters of baptism, Man, it was one of the most spiritual and emotional moments of my life. My wife, standing off to the right, she says to me, or she says to Philo, she goes, Philo, we've been waiting over two years for this moment. Welcome home to the family of God. And as he came up out of the waters of baptism, you can see in the photo, man, he can hardly stand overcome with emotion, overcome with joy, the presence of God just all over him. And I couldn't help but think, wow, thank you, God, that sometimes we plant in God and sometimes we water and that season might be two plus years, but you bring the growth. So if you ever wonder, man, does, amen, right? If you ever wondered, you know, does, does missions really make a difference? You know, does my, does, does this church, are we really having an impact across the world? Or, or does my giving, is it really impacting others? My simple answer would be, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're making a huge difference. Just ask Philo. <laughs> Just ask Philo. Now you know what we do. Here's what you do. Number one, you pray. 
Why am I in the States? I'm in the States because I'm looking for some prayer partners. Looking for 100 people to commit to praying for Indonesia, to, to partner with us, and to, to pray for more and hundreds and millions of more philos to come to faith. And I got to believe in a church like this. There are some people who, who know how to pray. Maybe you don't know how to pray, but you're like, I want to pray, all right? So you can still pray, all right? You know, man, we'd love to see some prayer partners out of this church to say, you know, we're going we're gonna to walk with you in prayer. Secondly, I think some of you need to, to go and get involved in missions yourself. Man, it's one thing to hear stories about missions. It's another thing to get involved with missions yourself and to have some stories and experiences of your own. I mean, how cool, Pastor Aaron, would it be to see a, to see a team from, from new community end up in Indonesia, right? You know, well, well, make sure you tell me first. You know, don't just show up, all right? That'd be, that'd be tough. But, you know, how great would it be if we had a team come out and jump alongside us for a week or, or some interns come out or maybe even a young person say, man, God, is stirring something in my heart to commit my life, to commit a summer, a year, a lifetime to foreign missions work. How great would that be? But I also realize looking around the room that most of you are probably like my mom, <laughs> meaning like my mom's the first, my mom says, uh, Jamie, you know, my mom doesn't even like to leave her subdivision, let alone go to the other side of the world. I mean, the idea of her going to Indonesia, it's so far off her radar, right? You know, she, she, she likes to say, Jamie, I, I'm a lot of work, right? You know, I, 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 would, I would just be in the way, you know? So, so I get that. So my mom, she always says, Jamie, I'm a sender, not a goer, <laughs> So I realize in a church that, that some of you are, you, you have the heart to go, but you realize, man, I'm, I'm a sender, not a go. And I'd say most of you, most of us in this room may never step foot in Indonesia, but man, but you can give. You can be generous with your tithes and offerings and saying, man, I believe in the vision and mission of this church, not just to, build, not just to reach the families here with this awesome uh, vision that you guys have to engage your community, but man, we are also a church that believes in reaching the nations. And so I want to have some skin in the game. I don't want to just come to church. I don't want to arrive in heaven someday and see Philo and have to be embarrassed because I never gave above and beyond. I never, I never gave to missions, but I want some skin in the game. I want to be a part of what God's doing. And that's why you give. Because if you don't give, we don't go. Wait, no, no, let me flip it on its head. This is a better way to put it. Because you give, we can go. Because this church believes in missions, there are hundreds and hundreds of Muslim young people who are being touched by Jesus and lives being changed. I was praying this morning. And I was thinking, man, this sermon isn't about Indonesia. Really, this sermon's about you guys. Because it's one thing for me to share stories about Indonesia. But I was thinking, you know what? There's still a lot of empty seats in here. There's only two services. When do we start the third service? When do we start the Saturday night or Sunday night service? Because there are still thousands of lost people here in your city. So what I want to do, instead of just talking and praying for Indonesia, what if I prayed for you guys today? Say, God, give these guys a mission spirit and a mission's heart to fill this place not once, not twice on a Sunday, but three and four times over. That two services is not nearly enough 
because there's so many new people coming to Jesus here.